Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. diagnosis of bipolar disorder and right now I'm really tired and lazy pretty much too lazy to hold this phone so I'm just laying down I've been sort of in a funk these last few days I feel in a funk For many reasons, but one of them is just about having a diagnosis of a mental illness and and sort of feeling responsible for being able to do all that I can to make things better for people that have these types of challenges, but not really knowing where to begin. I feel I feel kind of alone. I feel like since I've been through it myself that there might be a lot that I can offer and share, but there's not that many opportunities to do so. There's some, there's committees and that's a place where I can talk to people in the mental health system and, and, and offer some of my experience, good, bad, and ugly, that may or may not help to change the system, but I feel like that's way too slow. Or that it's, can, it's a process that it's like words about words, but it doesn't really get to the essence of what it's really like. And if it doesn't get to that, then how is it really going to be effective? Or if it doesn't address some of the causes, I know it's difficult to say exactly what causes what but there's definitely factors and those factors are often ignored completely such as you know past trauma or for me personally I have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder 1 and PTSD and so I have medications, but there's stuff out there that can address PTSD, but it's not offered. And a lot of people that have a diagnosis have trauma, so it could be something that might be dealt with more effectively. Not even dealt with, I hate that term, dealt with. It's not something to be dealt with. This is like a person's life. And there seems to be a move towards a recovery model versus a medical model. But from my experience, I'm not even a fan of recovery model. Recover from what? Maybe trauma that led to mental health challenges. But to say that it's just something's wrong with me and my brain and I have to recover is um, it doesn't even ask me 
do you feel like there's something in you that's wrong? And if so, what is it? And do you feel there's something you need to recover from? And how can we help you? It's, this is your diagnosis and that's what you have to recover from. Yet there's no cure. So the recover part is kind of silly in a way. When I was diagnosed five years ago, I had the sense that I went through some kind of weird spiritual experience and not that it wasn't partly terrible, it really was. Um, but what I'm saying is I was never asked what do you think is going on for you? Like what do you think is happening in your situation? Um, or even like do you agree like you have this mental illness which I still don't really agree. It's not that things didn't happen and things don't happen. It's I feel like there's more helpful frameworks and even if a psychiatrist wants to diagnose me with something, I don't even know if I really need to know the details of it, really. Um, it's more a matter of, for me, getting my life back in order. Or how did it get in such disorder? And, um... Yeah, I feel like there's just deeper questions that could be asked. But to have like a medical diagnosis and then say, okay, now you have to recover. Much of what I had to recover was because of being labeled. Like how necessary is that label? Especially if a person is expected to recover why is that label really necessary? But I guess in reality the label does help in a way because I'm able to get access to certain services. So something's definitely wrong. Um, and there's ways that I've been given access to go about righting some of the wrongs or at least glossing over them and you know painting over them in a way to make it feel like things aren't wrong. The trouble is when a certain amount of stress comes up in my life the things that are wrong tend to pop up and to me that's because there hasn't been anything to really help some of those questions, those deeper questions that were never asked that address some of the root issues. And it's not all the root issues and that's not the entire answer. I wouldn't say, oh, I would trade trauma counseling for all the other supports that I have. They're all necessary, but when there's key ones missing, it causes a little bit of trouble. And that's what I've been up against a little bit. I just feel like there's a lot of conversations I want to have, but I don't know who to have them with. And uh, like, for example, yesterday I listened to a podcast and it might be something relatively new. I'm not really a podcast person, but I came across it somehow and it talked about a town where a lot of the population had mental health challenges and and the people in the town would actually take people in as boarders just because that's something that was always done in the city or in the town as a tradition. And um, people did a lot better the people with the mental health challenges and they mentioned how these people had a new start or how they went in with a strange family so then all of a sudden there was a clean slate and 
I feel like that clean slate is really necessary and it's actually something that really helped me because when I was first hospitalized five years ago um, after I was hospitalized for six weeks I I went home and stayed with my family and I lasted about a month and I ended up back in the hospital and after the second six-week hospitalization I went somewhere else to live I went to uh, like three-quarter housing for young adults and that really helped me because I could be anybody I wanted to be and I think at that time especially I really needed to be somebody new because I couldn't be exactly who I used to be and that person I used to be was the person that my parents were used to me being so by going somewhere else I was able to sort of get rid of that layer of guilt of feeling guilty that I wasn't me, the me I used to be, and then also being aware that my parents felt bad that I wasn't the me that I used to be, which would be a second layer of guilt that I no longer needed to feel guilty about, which was really nice. And so that's one of the things I feel strongly about, especially for the quote-unquote new people that are coming into the mental health system is if you have the opportunity get away from your parents even if you think oh they're so comfy and nice and they're my parents and they love me definitely get away and it's almost because they love you and that's what caught my ear in this podcast is something that I had a sense about before which was just the parents get like caring and grieving effects and and wanting me to do better faster than I'm capable of I had an awareness of that the first time I went home and so by going to this you know group home or whatever you want to call it I I was able to escape that and they talked about in this podcast that there was a few attitudes that certain parents would have that basically would increase the probability of a relapse. They call it relapse. I don't know if I would call it a relapse per se. Because relapse is saying, oh, you're like, you have this mental illness and you had a relapse. No, it just could have been worse, like bad combination of meds and bad combination of people supporting me wasn't a relapse it was just actually getting worse before it got better and so one of the one of the characteristics was um, over like emotional involvement and my parents have always been very distant from my quote-unquote recovery journey and this has been awesome because that way I was able to recreate myself new the way I wanted to and I didn't really have to worry about them always watching over me I didn't want my parents to become my mental health police um, which can sometimes happen or I didn't want them to become my nurse I just kind of didn't want to be around them because I knew they were like worried for me and scared for me and and there was two other attitudes they mentioned on the podcast that really indicated that it would increase the likelihood of a person having a quote unquote relapse or maybe just re-hospitalization um, they discovered in a study that people with schizophrenia that went to a boarding home did a lot better in terms of not returning to the hospital and whatever else than if they went home to live with their parents. So they came to the conclusion that 
um, caring or closeness, closeness, like family closeness is actually a detriment. And I just listened to this podcast a couple days ago and I have felt about, I have felt that feeling this whole time that it was just actually my family's taking steps back from me and allowing me to be my own person that helped me recover and that I really did recover amongst strangers. These people didn't know me, they didn't know my past, they didn't know um, how I was before. Um, when they met me, I, I was like 140 pounds. So when I started eating healthy and losing weight, they were like, whoa, what's happening? Oh, are you okay? And I'm like, this is, I've never been this size before. Like I'm usually 115, 120 pounds. Um, so now they're used to me how I am now after I've lost weight. Um, but so they didn't really understand when I was saying that I wasn't really comfortable with how I gained 50 pounds. Um, and it really was a fresh start for me to be around people that didn't know me. Uh, that way I could get to know myself in the reflection of others, like clean eyes, clean heart. And that really helped me. I didn't have to constantly adjust myself to how my parents saw me before or how I thought they saw me um, it was it was super helpful I really feel like that saved me and I had a lot of people help me that worked in the mental health system and um, and then also a lot of acquaintances who also had um, diagnosed mental health challenges. I like to say people with lived experience with a mental health diagnosis, meaning a person has a diagnosis, but doesn't mean that diagnosis is correct or, or that I need to know anything about it, it's just almost like having lived experience with the mental health system more so than um, saying oh I have I'm a person with a mental illness you know maybe one day they'll have better stuff and it'll actually be like we'll recover as they say now to the point where you wouldn't even know yourself that anything's wrong and I feel like I feel like there's a lot more to it than just simply this person is mentally ill and that person's mentally ill. There's a lot there's many more theories which maybe you've researched and I've done quite a bit of reading in these last year and a half about it. And oddly enough, in the last year and a half, or less than that, I've been in the hospital three times. And that's one of the reasons why I'm talking about it now is because I feel like maybe the more I research it and the more I talk about it, the worse it gets. Not really worse, but I'm acknowledging that it's a problem. And maybe it's not a problem at all. Maybe the problem, and it talks about this in that podcast too, which is really interesting, is the mental health system tries to fix people. And that's, and I've had this sense too that I'm not sure, like I can always grow personally, like personal growth. But 
I feel it's a little bit uh, limited just to say these people have mental health problems and they need to recover when everybody has stuff and certain ones, certain people maybe manifest more overt behaviors but what's behind those behaviors and a lot of other people they're just able to um, bite their tongue longer hold it in but certain people who maybe are more sensitive or something um, manifest behaviors or but there's there's so much more to it than that and there's other paradigms and there's other possibilities and to say I need fixing and, and nobody else does is a little bit limited to me because I can actually see a lot of things that are messed up in myself and in the world at large and we all kind of can but this the thing is that a lot of times we see stuff wrong with people out there but what about ourselves and I've done a lot of looking at myself and um, there's some really bad stuff in there but there's also some really good stuff and I don't even think it's a matter of bad and good. It's, um, I don't know what it's a matter of, but what I'm saying is that may, we all need some fixing. But to start from that there's something wrong with certain people um, divides us and it doesn't really invite conversation about, there's no conversation, there's not very much conversation with people that have gone through the system to say, what do you see? What could be better? Uh, what's What do you think really was going on with you? Like, we gave you this diagnosis after two days in the hospital. What do you think was going on? I'd probably have a lot of different stories than, than what the psychiatrist would have to tell me. And it's just so much bigger than that. It's, it's like, it's a world it's a world problem not an individual problem and in my experience what I've seen is that and this is going to sound kind of airy fairy but we're actually connected we're actually one thing we're like, like humanity is humanity and we're all a piece of that and we all experience distress and we all experience turmoil and suffering and pain and some of us more than others and I feel like certain people are becoming more sensitive to this pressure or this pain that is almost like collective pain and the collective pain is getting so high that at a threshold that certain people just start acting out and acting crazy in a way it, there's so many more interpretations than just that it's um, that's just one thought uh, and there's a lot more to it. it it's it has to do with the evolution of consciousness um, and I feel like there's this energy trying to push through some of us so we become messengers but not like messengers messengers of sort of the whole of humanity like look what we're doing to each other and look what we're doing to the, to the planet this is nothing new but when I'm in a certain state of consciousness I feel it so strongly it hurts so bad like I can feel the pain of the person next to me or I can feel the pain of the forest or I can feel the pain of um, the homeless person and that sounds strange um, it's like 
feels like hyper empathy and not like oh just talking to somebody and sort of feeling their pain but not knowing where this pain is coming from and it's it's psychic pain it's inner pain it's feels like it's from the collective psyche we share one psyche it's we sh all our thoughts come from outside of us in terms of where do we learn these thoughts or where do we get these thoughts they're from the structure of society and that structure is creating the pain the division between us and the haves and the haves nots and and is training us to to not feel empathy for people and and things um, but I feel like certain people are able to really train it out of themselves but it's gonna pop up in somebody else like it's got to be balanced um, so some people are developing even more empathy and this is nothing new but I guess for me it's kind of new because initially in my life I was trained to not have that empathy I was able to be very academic and very methodical and very um, calculating and and value being academic and then you know if my younger siblings were lazy and stupid and not applying themselves like they just barely existed for me and and I, I wasn't the nicest person a lot of times and and now I feel like like holy crap like we worry about karma for the from our past life or like what's it gonna be in the next life you could I've experienced my own karma plus whatever other karma in this life now it's almost like reincarnating several times in one lifetime like I feel like there's been a birth and rebirth and death process several times and um, it's the scariest thing it feels very real but it's all inward but to me um, it's like a learning experience big time because it you know it not only do I feel like I'm kind of a messenger in a way but not really um, there's messages that we all have access to to inform ourselves even within one lifetime so it's not about I feel like it's a learning process and I actually feel like I feel like one day people will actually be hoping that they can go through this death and rebirth process and some people do um, but I mean like this harsh one with uh, uh, like it's called psychosis um, at least that's a medical term for it and I don't mind that term because it's definitely scary but at the same time I also feel like it's um, it's healing and I almost feel like the more that the more pain that I experience in that process it's either getting more resolved or it's just making me stronger for more to come and I feel like since so many of us are conditioned and trained away from these natural human feelings not emotions but feelings of actually feeling each other actually feeling what is happening what we're doing to the planet and what we're doing to each other even if it's just a look even if it's just a gesture even if it's just not looking someone in the eye when they try to seek out your gaze for acknowledgement um, all those things they divide us and words divide us 
and we're not divided. And most of us don't know that we're not divided until the day we die. And we realize, whoa, I missed the boat. I really did. But for me, I've, you know, been fortunate in a way to experience psychosis four times. And it's the scariest thing ever. But at the same time, I, I, I feel that I learned something about this connection that we have to each other that we're not feeling and and it's almost like it has to evolve slowly because if we all of a sudden all couldn't know and see what we were really doing to each other which is our own selves we it would be a disaster just probably mass suicides mass insanity and then by the time that was over there wouldn't be that many of us left so we're already seeing a lot of terrible stuff happening in the world because we're you know the terrible has to happen for us to maybe eventually wake up and see that that we're connected or we're we're one organism kind of like ants they don't see themselves as separate you know ants work together and build their whatever bees work together and these are insects I feel like we're supposed to even though I don't like the word supposed to, but we're supposed to work together in a similar way. We're supposed to cooperate. And that's another thing that I'm not loving about recovery or the idea of recovery is that it assumes that we're going, we each need to recover to our own little hive by ourselves. And that's not necessarily natural. In the Western culture, success is to have one's own little apartment, at least in recovery from mental health diagnosis. It's like, have your own little apartment by yourself. Well, I've been living by myself now for, I guess, two and a half years. And I've been in the hospital three times. And when I was living in the group home for two years I was not in the hospital at all um, sometimes I miss people and especially strangers just living with strangers I was ready to leave there when I left but the definition of success being independence versus interdependence there's there's something missing there and I think um, something else I was looking at recently was an article on maddenamerica.com by Dr. Fisher and I believe I don't know I don't think he developed open dialogue but he had an article on there that he wrote um, and he's a psychiatrist and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 25 and he's now an older gentleman I'm, I'm not sure how old but you know probably at least 30 some odd years ago and he described how psychosis is a monologue and I've written quite a bit about psychosis just in my own personal explorations and I've written a lot of psychosis as 
psychosis as this like a waking nightmare for example which is you know not very creative but I just made that up on the spot but he says psychosis is a monologue and so he I'm, I don't think he developed open dialogue which is a, a Finnish approach to first break psychosis where basically a team of people and they don't have to necessarily be super professional psych nurses or anything they're trained in open dialogue they go in and have a dialogue with the person in this in psychosis as well as all the people that are close to that person um, and basically what they're sort of saying is that the person that has developed the psychosis has retreated into a monologue with themselves that isn't necessarily congruent with consensus reality and and that happens because of a breakdown in the person's social connections or relationships and I'm not saying that exactly perfectly I'm not looking at a piece of paper but um, that really struck me because it is a monologue in a way it, maybe it's not the only way to think about psychosis but um, when I was in psychosis the first time I was isolated and I had a really isolating thing happen to me and I lost a lot of my social connections because of it and I didn't I wasn't in psychosis right away but not too long I feel like the isolation and the quick disconnection from so many of my connections um, allowed me to be in a monologue with myself and it's almost like going into my own reality tunnel we all have our own little reality tunnel but usually it syncs up pretty well with reality well that's questionable but um, at least what everybody agrees upon and um, I guess my mind was able to create a lot of different stories about things that eventually got me into a place where I wasn't very matched up with reality at all um, so with the open dialogue approach it's a way of almost like talking someone back into reality or um, back into their social connections and even though I've never experienced that myself I feel like that would be super amazing if we had that approach in the Western world um, it is it doesn't it assumes it's something that's manifesting in the whole social connection of the person not not just oh something's wrong with you or your brain you know um, and to me that is congruent with oh, I don't want to play root words with friends um, that's congruent with Dr. Daniel Siegel's work which I've been reading a little bit of and he talks about how the mind um, is not just the brain and and all the nerves in the body but it's also relational so we have an embodied and an, a relational mind and if a person's relational mind gets completely cut off and all of a sudden you know say if I have 20 social connections and all of a sudden phew, I have one um, that's really gonna affect me it's gonna affect my my wellness my mental health for sure um, so the whole idea that having this open dialogue it definitely gets those connections back um, within the relational minds of all the people involved and um, he also talked about uh, another link went to something called ECPR or emotional CPR and to me it seemed kind of like a mini form of open dialogue um, basically training people to 
engage people that are in emotional distress and and help in some way um, I know there's other there's other sort of forms of first aid out there for people with mental health stuff but it's just kind of like call for help which is helpful but I, but for certain professionals if they were trained in actually addressing some of the emotional issues versus just saying oh cognitive behavioral therapy and um, I guess the dialectical behavioral therapy and it addresses emotions more but it's not super widespread um, there's just so many more things that could be done to help people and I feel really really uh, helpless um, the last time I went to the hospital it was a really bad experience and I don't want to go back um, I, I guess for me I'm wondering if by working and focusing on mental health if it's going to help my own mental health or if it'll make it worse um, that goes back to the whole thing that was talked about in that podcast was not trying to fix people well am I trying to fix myself am I trying to fix things um, the whole time I've never really tried to fix myself I've just had fun along the way and I was really able to laugh at myself and laugh at the situation I found myself in because it was pretty unbelievable, like super unbelievable to me. And I just don't understand why we don't create a society where we can actually be happy. Like why? Why do our parents have us for us to be how they think we should be? And why do we grow up trying to be how we think they think we should be? It's, it's just so futile. I'm still, even now, adjusting to that. Even if maybe they don't care so much anymore. still have trouble I still don't maybe think I can be happy with how I want to be happy I'm still not able to be 100% unapologetically me where are the people that don't watch so much TV? I was watching some documentaries because I was feeling kind of sick. Um, and there was one about women's roles and then one about men's. And they talk a lot about the influence in the media. And I'm just like, why do people watch so much TV? Like, don't we have anything better to do? I see my apartment more as a decorated prison cell. Today I was at the mall and I spent like an hour playing with this baby, but I never came closer than five feet was maybe 10 feet because I was just sitting in the chair across the way from the baby and the mom was holding the baby and it would just keep looking at me and smiling and I would make eyes back at the baby
made me feel like just that being able to be a stranger playing with a baby with just my eyes and my smile maybe I'm able to tell the baby that this is a friendly universe maybe when the baby is my age it will be friendly universe maybe it already is a lot of the violence we hear about is on the news why is violence entertaining? I don't know if I want to work in mental health. I already sort of had a chronic fatigue syndrome like illness in my early 20s and it was a five-year battle. I don't like the word battle, but it was rough. And then I was really well and healthy for two years. And then, poof, I was diagnosed with a mental illness. And it's been five years. And I always figured because I I was able to get through and sort of resolve the chronic fatigue thing that I'd be able to do the same with this mental health challenge. That it's more a challenge from the universe to really figure it out. And I, I have figured quite a few things out, but not all of them. And I feel like I haven't really shared that much of, of stuff. And, and I want to because maybe it could help somebody else. And really, I just want to help somebody else through suffering, through their suffering, not to have to suffer so much. Sometimes when I'm in that other state, I I get this sense that I'm supposed to help people, but I don't know how. I think the most important thing is that we're all one, we're all connected. We actually are, we just, we're trained out of feeling it. You know, maybe that's why I've experienced a lot of suffering is because I've I've suffered a lot of the stuff that I've put out there. And maybe I wouldn't have put it out there had I known. But now that I know it's easier to not put stuff out there that I wouldn't want for myself as in everybody. It's okay to put out stuff that you would want for everybody. 
feel like I want everyone to be happy and healthy and it's pretty hard to be happy if you're not healthy and it's pretty hard to be healthy if you're not happy I've spent a lot of my life trying to be really, really healthy since I had chronic fatigue and I was able to use diet style and interventions. Oh, I hate that word. I hate the word hate too. So, hate and interventions go with initiatives. And um, so diet style initiatives. But what's the point of being healthy and having longevity when I don't have a lot of really good relationships? I'm working on that. I feel I feel responsible for everybody. Not just some of my friends. I've done a lot of reading of J. Krishnamurti and he talks about how well he has a, a quote that he says I am the world and the world is me or you are the world and the world is you and in psychosis I feel that to be very 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 true I can sense where everything's coming from or how it happened or how it relates or ties in. It's all connected, it's not separate. But then in so-called normal consciousness, we don't feel that, we don't sense that but doesn't mean it's not true. But if all of us were in psychosis, it would actually be normal getting hungry. If all of us were in psychosis, we would all feel connected and then we'd be in like this big giant puzzle together we'd see that we're all pieces of the puzzle and we got to figure out where we fit or stop destroying other pieces of the puzzle or the puzzle won't get completed we're playing the wrong game we're trying to become pieces of the puzzle that we're not You know, I don't know if I can survive another psychosis. Like, I, I probably will, but at the same time, it's never guaranteed. not guaranteed we're all connected we're connected with nature too we are nature we are the trees
we are life. So whatever else life is, we're also that. It's really fascinating how we don't see this. Right now I'm okay with it, but at times it becomes pretty unbearable and it feels like the only way to escape the pain is to, uh, to end it because, you know, the very people that want to help are part of the, the problem. But we're all, we're all part of the problem. So I don't, I'm not, I don't know what the solution is, but I feel like a solution could be basically focusing on the things that are an opposite to psychosis and for example, nature. Nature is just life. It's completely innocent. And, you know, psychosis is thoughts and words. It's, it's sound. It's noise. I feel like noise, words. Nature is just quiet and it's life. Words aren't life. Words are concepts. And words, they point to something. You know, words, I think, I think words point right back to the thing where the words come from. It's all you. It's all me. Words come from life. You need to have a living thing to produce words. But doesn't mean that's what life is. But I love words. I realize that information is my safety. Well, it makes me feel safe. Words, information, knowledge. If I only get more knowledge, I can figure this out. But then, it seems like the more knowledge I have, the more chances I have of going to the hospital. It's like I'm trying to do something. Could be back to the trying to fix myself instead of just being myself. And that was the thing when I was living at the group home, I was just being myself. Whoever that was at the moment. I figured I had a mental health diagnosis. I didn't really have much to lose. I could be a little bit out there. I could be a little bit crazy. I could say goofy things. I could laugh. I think laughter is what saved me. And I think that's another opposite of psychosis is laughter and humor. and play, like playing with the baby. I was, I was really playful. I still am, I'm just a little bit tired. I've been 
watching Frankie and Grace. I don't really watch TV, but since I've been feeling kind of under the weather, I decided to try that show for some reason, probably because I heard my sister-in-law mention it. And I got through, I just finished watching a season, the first, like the season today, and I realized that I watched all of season two, and I haven't seen season one. And I was like, oh, that makes a little bit of sense as to why it kind of began quite abruptly, but it seems like the type of show you don't even need to watch season one to know what's going on in season two. Pretty obvious. And I guess it's a mildly entertaining show. Perhaps I'll watch season one. I almost feel right now like I could just lay down and watch TV. And I was. But I decided to just start talking to myself because it could be a little bit more helpful than just watching TV. While I was listening to music a little bit after I watched TV. I feel rather lazy, so I'm just going into the laziness. I feel like I could talk forever. What would we really do if we could sense that we were connected? Or that we were just one thing and anything we did to someone else, we actually did to ourselves right away. Like bad thought, bad gesture, bad word out loud to them. Could you imagine? But I feel like that's how it really happens. Maybe sometimes not immediately. Like there's definitely a grand design. It's a really, really intricate design. But you know, the thing is that we think we want to know how the world works, but we don't. I've seen that design. And as soon as I see it, I realize I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to see what's going to happen. definitely makes it hard to even move because each move is preceded by some sort of premonition which might be something soon or far away but it's like too much information interesting because we can only really handle a very small amount of information at a time. Way too much paralyzes us and too little paralyzes us. It's like a happy medium. It's like we can handle the little bit of information about ourselves and our own little personal thoughts and our own little personal world, but as soon as it opens up to more, it's difficult to operate. Hence, 
becoming sort of dysfunctional. But what if that dysfunctional is just a new kind of functional? Functioning in a different way. We just need to figure out how to do that. How to function together with that kind of information. too lazy like I am I'm not really lazy but why do I have this altruistic urge why can't I just keep to myself yet at the same time I'm a, I'm a coward too scared to stand up and really change but maybe nothing needs to change maybe it's fine the way it is maybe me wanting to change is the problem listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.